0: start out this morning like this um, can i ask you really what springs to mind when you think about trumpets so i say to you trumpets what is it what's the first thing that kind of comes to mind Um, what what do you think about it? I think it's probably fair to say, I'm guessing, but I I reckon I'm a pretty sure ground that when we hear trumpets, we think, don't we, about the musical instrument. I say trumpet to you, you think about the musical instrument, right? So the educated a London City Presbyterian Church, I say to you trumpet, and you say, I don't know, you think maybe about Haydn's, I don't know, trumpet concerto in E flat major, okay? That's the educated. The sophisticated a London City Presbyterian Church. I'll say it, your trumpets, and you'll maybe think Dizzy Gillespie, or you think Miles Davis, or something like. The barbarians amongst you. I say trumpets to you, and you'll think about a big band uh, playing Chattanooga Choo Choo or something. Equally horrific. Okay, but regardless what the genre might be, we hear trumpets and we think about the musical instrument. Now, I think it's quite interesting, actually, to consider that if we look back over history, that it was not always like that. That if we were, let's say, to go back thousands of years to the most people of ancient Peru, yes, they would have trumpets but that they wouldn't be used for music. The trumpets would have you used for communicating between tribes, okay? Then you jump another, like, a thousand years nearer to us, a thousand years later. Yes, in Europe, everyone, there was trumpets. They were used for music. They were used for hunting, signaling, when I've shot some game, that idea. And actually, if you look at it historically, it wasn't until relatively recently, you know, 15th century, 16th century, that trumpets began to be used in song and musical composition. What do you think? You think, boring, man. (laughs) I didn't come in here for a music history lesson. I get it. Fine. Why am I beginning the sermon like that? Well, it's because actually we see something similar to that in Scripture and in God's Word. Do you see what I mean? that just as in the secular world, the use of trumpets has changed over the centuries and over the years. So amongst the people of God, yes, trumpets have been used throughout redemptive history. But what you need to know, what I need to know, is that the use of trumpets in the covenant community has changed dependent on the era, dependent on the period of time. And really... That's what we've got to think about this morning in our time together. And in fact, I'm quite excited about Numbers chapter 10. Because do you know what we get to do from Numbers chapter 10? We, this morning, we get uh, to enter a time machine, I suppose. What would be your your chosen, your, your time machine of preference? You're a Doctor Who geek. Would it be a TARDIS? Would it be a DeLorean, perhaps, for some of us? But anyway, from Numbers chapter 10, what we do is we enter into a time machine and we get to consider how trumpets have been used throughout redemptive history at various points in the history of the covenant community. But most crucially, we get to consider how these things apply to our lives and how they teach us to live all the more for God's glory. And this morning, just in our time together, in our time machine we are going to stop off at three various points in the history of the people of God. So we're going to make three stops in the DeLorean uh, this morning. Okay, so with all of this set out before you, can can I ask that you turn uh, to Scripture? Would you turn to Numbers chapter 10 on page 118 of God's words as we finish the sermon series just now? So it's Numbers Uh, 10 from verse 1 to 10 and the first stop that we're going to make is this we're going to consider trumpets in the wilderness trumpets in the wilderness okay okay now a little scenario for you just now so think about this with me let's say that you are leaving the house uh, for a few days Okay, I don't know where you're going. You can decide where you're going. Uh, maybe you're going away on a business trip. Maybe away with your friends. Let's say you're going away on holiday, perhaps. You're going away for a few days. So let me ask you, if you think about that scenario, what is the last thing? Okay, you lock the door as you're leaving. But what before that, what is the last thing that you do before you leave the house? What's the last thing? You're leaving for a few days. What's the last thing that you do before you leave the house? In our family, always the same thing. So you can imagine that if we're gonna wait for a few days, we've got three kids, it's a bit chaotic for leaving for a few days, so there's me, the last thing I'm doing is... Putting the kids out the door and chucking bags in the car—that sort of thing. My wife, on the other hand, my wife has uh, the same thing that she will do. That she will do the, the last thing that she does when she leaves the house is always the same. Okay, so you know, switch the plug sockets off. You know, make sure that the the alarm is set. Now, that the last thing that Catherine does every single time she leaves the house, if it's for a few days, she will switch on the hall light. Okay, so she'll switch on the hall light because in my wife's eyes, this is the ultimate security measure. You know, like you might have video cameras, you could have an armed guard or guard dogs, but if you switch on the light, no burglar, no thief is ever going to see through that and be able to rob the house. Now, as we think about numbers 10, I want you to think about the parallel with that situation, because I need you Right now, what we need to do is think about just how significant a moment we're moving towards in redemptive history at this point. Because you you think about it, in Genesis, what has God done? In Genesis, God has made this incredible promise to Abraham that he and his descendants are going to inherit a land! They're going to have a land of their own. And what's about to happen in the next section, not in our section, but in the next section, from verse 11, they're going to go. Like from verse 11, they're actually, it's that moment's come. A lot has happened since Genesis, right? But now verse 11, they're going to actually begin this movement. They're actually going to leave. And so do you see what we're dealing with today? We're the last thing these people do before they depart. The last thing the people do before they leave for the promise. So what is it? Like, do they switch on the hall light? Is that the last thing they do before they leave? Do they switch on an alarm? You noticed, didn't you? The people obey this. Can we call it an unusual command? They obey the command from God to make two silver trumpets to take with them as they go. That's the last thing God wants from them make two silver trumpets to take with them. Now, in this first heading, we're considering how they are to use these trumpets on the journey in the wilderness. So I'm wondering, as I stand before you, whether you noticed what God said about how they are to use these trumpets. Did you get it? If not, look at verse 2 with me. How are they to use these trumpets? Now, there's two uses Boys and girls, you make sure you get it as well. In verse 2, there's two uses for the trumpets in the wilderness. Do we see (coughs) there? Excuse me. So what's the first one? It's summoning the people of God. And then it's... What's the next one? Do you see it? The trumpets are to be used for breaking breaking camp. Can we take those one by one? So summoning the people, summoning the camp. Everybody can understand that, can we? And if you can't just take yourself there for a second you know, you're in the, you know, the wilderness of Sinai and you're, you know, you're on with your business or you're looking after the children, you're looking after your crops. And what do you hear? All of a sudden there's this, in the distance, there's this loud blast of a horn and you look around and everyone stops what they're doing, right? And you stop what you're doing because you know what this means. This means, well, got to, got to go, And I've got to go immediately with that trumpet blast to the tent of meeting to stand before God to hear from him. Did you notice the detail as well or not? Did you notice if it is one long blast of the trumpet, then the leaders of the people are to gather to God? But if it's the two of them, so there must be different notes, these trumpets. If there's two blasts of the trumpet, then everyone, stop, everyone come to that tent of meeting to stand before the Lord God. You're with me, right? You hear it, the trumpet summons the people, calls the people. What was the second one? If you missed it, you can just look at verse two again. Do you see it? The trumpets also broke the camp. Um, can I ask what was the uh, what is the biggest crowd that you've ever seen in your life? Like a lot of you or, No, I was gonna a lot of you, a few of you were here in twenty twelve uh for the Olympics in London, so you've seen quite large crowds for that if you went along Uh, some of you've been to NASCAR (laughs) not looking at anyone in particular. Uh (laughs) other people have been a political rally perhaps or been a football match. So what's what are we talking about? I don't know, I'm gonna guess but like are we talking about sixty thousand people the biggest crowd you've seen? Seventy thousand to eighty thousand, maybe hundred thousand people? I mean do you understand what you've got in front of you here? I mean this is hundreds of thousands of people. Like, listen, maybe millions of people. And remember, they are needing to be organized for this journey. Do you not remember numbers two? It wasn't just that the people are to travel at the promised land. Do you remember they've got to have a tight knit formation? Does everyone remember that? Like as one particular tribe has got to lead the way. Then another one. Then they'll tabernacle in the middle. And yes, do you remember last time? Yes, the cloud, you know, guides the people generally. But do you not see what God is doing here with these trumpets? God is using these trumpets to guide the people on this journey and to guide them with precision. To guide these people on the journey with real exactness. A short blast. and, And yes, the tribe of Judah go. Another short blast of the trumpet. The tribe of Issachar go. Another short blast of the trumpet. And the tabernacle goes. Do you see it? If I were now to ask you, how do the people use the trumpets in the wilderness? What would you say? You would say that they are used to assemble, to call the people, and they are used to to direct the people, to guide them with precision on this journey to the promised land. Now I don't think I've ever spoken to the congregation about uh, how I came to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. But I certainly have mentioned that I came to faith um, in my early twenties round about there. I've mentioned at least that. And uh, a couple of days after I was converted, a couple of days after uh, saved by grace, I went I think it was the very first service that I ever went to. I went to a New Year's Eve watch night service. Is that what they're called on? New Year's Eve, yes. Watch night. You get the idea. A watch night service in a Baptist church in Inverness. Okay, my mum was going along to this church service in this Baptist church and and so I I was so excited about coming to faith in the Lord Jesus that I'll go with my mum. I'll go with her to this. And, and you go in, and it was really unusual. I hadn't been to church in so long. And it was just odd to be in the church. And and the service began in a sort of conventional way. And it began... There was quite a lot of visitors, you could tell, because it was a watch night service. A lot of other people were feeling a bit uncomfortable. And uh, the guy began by reading the Bible. And then the minister prayed. And then we sang a hymn. And then... <laughs> and then the minister picked up what looked like to me a gun case <laughs> and he got it up in the pulpit and he opened up this case and was a bit anxious about what was happening next you know and I've afraid to be anxious I think because he puts the case down and the minister proceeded to uh, play the longest and most out of tune trumpet solo <laughs> that I've ever uh, heard in all of my life and of course I was just you know having just come to faith At least I was like what what was going on here I've felt rather uncomfortable rather bewildered about this turn that my life had taken is that the application I mean really what does this mean that the people of Israel here, that they use trumpets, that they value trumpets. What's the message for a church like us in the 21st century? Is it just that we should have more trumpets? <laughs> in the case Jack, has to learn the trumpet. So is that, is that the thankfully not? And what I want you to understand, what I want you to think about, is this. That just as in Numbers 10, today if you're a Christian on your wilderness wanderings and your journey to the promised land, God still does these two things that we're thinking about right now. As you as a Christian journey ever forward to heaven, ever forward to the promised land, God still calls his people, assembles his people. God still directs his people with precision. Like, do you see that? Like, take the first one there. How is it that God calls us to himself? How would you answer that? Come on, you know, don't you? Even in our salvation, God has done that. He's effectually called us out. He has called us to himself. Yeah, but isn't there more to it? Like you think about it for a moment. What's happening Sunday by Sunday? Do you see Lord's Day by Lord's Day God calls and he assembles his people to gather before him? In fact, that's how we should think about the call to worship that begins our services in the morning and in the evening on a Sunday. What's a call to whip? I mean, why do we do that in a reformed church? What is this? Do you not see what it is? It is a trumpet blast to the covenant community isn't it is this summons from the almighty god to come to the tent of meeting to come before him to stand before before god to hear from him so we're called we're assembled but what was the other side the other use of the trumpet you remember god directs us friend how does god direct us Yeah, we saw it last time out. God, the cloud descends, ascends. God directs us in his word and scripture. But again, can I not add to that in a sense? Because I say to you as a congregation, how is it that the almighty God guides us, but guides us with precision and exactness? How does God do that for his people today? You see the answer? God uses the regular expository preaching of his word. Isn't that a thought? Like what is happening in pulpits up and down the country today? Think about it. Morning and evening throughout the world, what is going forth, what is happening from pulpits, but the trumpet sounded. There is heralding, there is proclamation, and God is directing, just as in Numbers 10, God is directing his people, directing them for their journey ever forward to the promised land. Do you see it? Do you see that it's exciting? I ask, how is it that spiritual trumpets sound today? How do they sound? They sound here in the church, here in the church service. God gathers us to himself. And God directs us ever forward. Something that should make us cherish times like these. So trumpets in the wilderness. A second thing that we ought to notice from Numbers chapter 10 is trumpets in Canaan. Trumpets in Canaan. That's our second uh, consideration this morning. Trumpets in Canaan. Um, I made a big, big, big promise to you at the start. Uh, of the service don't start big as uh, one bit of instruction that i got from a minister earlier i could not have uh, started bigger because i promised you time travel right at the beginning of uh, this service uh, so we better get back into bill and ted's phone box or back into the crack up the delorean up to 88 miles an hour because maybe you notice that in this portion of scripture God shows us how trumpets were to be used at another period of time. Have a look. Halfway through verse 8 and onwards. Do you see? We're told how trumpets were to be used not just on the journey, not just in the wilderness, but God then goes on to provide law about how trumpets were to be used actually when the people get to the promised land. Is everyone with me? So it's not how are the trumpets to be used as you journey But he tells the people, see, once you actually get to the promised land, this is how I want you to use trumpets in a totally different way. Now, if you're on the ball, you'll have noticed, again, there's two new uses for the trumpets. And I need to speak to the boys and girls just to make sure that you're with me. If you're doing the worksheet, boys and girls, am I right in thinking you've got blanks to fill in at this point? Yes, you do. So you need to work out. So the blanks tell you how the trumpets are to be used in the promised land. So there's two of them, and they both begin with W, because I'm trying to help you with this. So maybe the adults can help them. If we look for the first one, friends, if we look to verse 9. So what's our question? How are the trumpets to be used in Canaan? Look at verse 9 with me, please. I could say, could I not, if you scan that, that the trumpets are to be used in warfare. In fact, this is really easy for me to illustrate this as a Scotsman living and working in England. This is really easy for me to to illustrate because everyone's seen the film Braveheart, haven't you? (laughs) And everyone's seen that moment in Braveheart just before the big battle. If you've not seen Braveheart, some of you have not seen Braveheart, please, please sort your lives out, friends. (laughs) You know? (laughs) For those educated people amongst us who have seen Braveheart, you know, of course, that moment before the big battle scene, do you? The, the battles, the armies are lined up together. And you've got William Wallace, you've got Mel Gibson. What's he doing? He's long hair flowing in the blue face and all sorts, and he's got a sword, and he's riding back and forward in front of the army, and he's giving that big speech, and he's, you know, giving it stick, and then he ends it. Everybody kind of, or most people should know, the big sort of clarion call at the end of that, don't you? Freedom! He gives it all of that at the end. Isn't that, in a sense, what we're dealing with in verse 9? Because God is saying to the people that because when they get into Canaan, they're going to have wars to fight. Like they're going to have ungodly, pagan people to overthrow and overpower. The instruction God is giving is in that moment, before they go into this holy war, what they must do is sound those trumpets, sound them, blast these trumpets, and blast them loud. That's the first use. The second use, look at verse 10 with me. So boys and girls, get the blank. So it's it's warfare, and the second one is worship. I think everyone, it's easy for us to imagine the situation, isn't it? In verse 10, at last the people of Israel have their feet in the soil of Canaan. They at last get in the promised land. And what's the instruction? God says, when you are rejoicing in religious festival in the promised land, when you are sacrificing for sin in your land, when you're there, blast the trumpets. Blast them again. Everyone got it? What are the two new uses? Warfare and worship now that's easy for us to get and for us to follow this is the important thing this is what i wonder if you got that what we are dealing with there now listen please what we're dealing with there is a functional reversal of what we looked at in point one does everyone follow let me explain it if not i ask you who in point one was really blasting the trumpets You might say to me, well, to call the people, direct the people, it was here and the high priest. But more than that, come on, in effect, who's blasting those trumpets? But God. Isn't that it? God's blasting, God was calling the people to himself. God was directing the people. So the first point is God blasting the trumpets, calling to the people. Do you see how this is a reversal? Because who's blasting the trumpets in warfare and worship? It's reversed. Here God is saying, when you get to Canaan, you are to call to me. You are to blast these trumpets to me. Look at verse 9. He spells it out. He says, you blast these trumpets in war so that I will remember you. Verse 10, you blast these trumpets and worship. Why? So that I will remember you. Do you see how it's reversed? It's the covenant community using these trumpets now to, to call to God, to, to plead with Him. blast the horns to God. In fact, one commentator absolutely nails it on the head. Listen to what he says. He says, when they get to Canaan, in these new contexts, these trumpet blasts, they serve as prayer. These trumpet blasts—they serve as prayers offered by the people to the Lord their God. You see, it's the people calling out to God. Now, because of this, I think it's really obvious how you and I should think and apply this portion of Scripture. If it is calling out to God here, then we've got—you and I've got—to think about prayer, don't we? But in order to be exact about this, I need you to think about that scenario in Canaan. Now, you think about the battlefield. You think about how they would use those trumpets. Can you imagine it? Like on one side, you've got all of the Canaanites they're going to fight against, all the Canaanites, and they're armed. Who is on the other side of that? Who's blasting the trumpet? Is it just Aaron? Is it just the high priest? And you say, back to me, surely you say, no. Who's gathered? The people of Israel are all there. Yes, Aaron's blasting the trumpet, but it's a corporate act, isn't it? All of the people prior to war, they're all calling out to God. And therefore the application's clear. What do we need to deal with? Not just prayer. Corporate prayer. And maybe as soon as, I, as soon as I say those words to you, Maybe we all in here feel our deficiency in this regard, do we not? I mean, I would wonder, even if you're visiting us today, whether you're a member of this church. I wonder if you would agree that corporate prayer, the people of God praying, gathering together to pray together to God, to call out and trumpet God. I wonder if you would agree that that is a most neglected area of church life not just here at London City Presbyterian Church, but churches right across the Western world. And hang on a second, just think about our need. Is this worship and warfare? I mean, isn't it the case that we so desperately, desperately need the presence of God with us, the blessing of God upon us when we worship Him? And then you think about where you stand right now, Is this not the case that every single Sunday that we come in here, every Lord's Day, we are on the verge of going into battle? Isn't that right? As we think about what Monday morning brings, and about us as the people of God going back in a city like London with all of its temptation, its materialism, all of its sins, we come in here, we are surely on the verge of battle, on the verge of warfare all the time. Do we not need to do this? Like, do we not need to gather together to to call out to God? And so I, I, I hope you heed this appeal. Friends, from here, let's do as they did in Numbers chapters 10. And let's gather together to trumpet that trumpet blast of corporate prayer. I mean, really specifically, tonight. Like, tonight we will hold a meeting for prayer in this very very building. What are you doing that is better than that? Why, why can't you be here? To gather together, to, to call together to God. Or, or what about, we have house groups, we have a prayer meeting on Thursday. Again, we have this opportunity for us to gather together as the early church did and the building shakes. Will you be there? With your family, friends. We are friends, we are Christian brothers and sisters. But ought we not get to gather together to corporately like here and worship before battle? Should we not call out to God and do as they did and plead with God by grace to remember, to remember his covenant people? So we see trumpets in the wilderness. We see trumpets in Canaan. But we have one last place to stop off. So the third stopping off point is trumpets in the future. Trumpets in the future. I said before we began the sermon, didn't I? I? I said that this is us ending our sermon series. I think I've said this before. I sincerely mean it here that it has been one of the great privileges of my life to preach through and study through Uh, the first ten chapters of the book of Numbers. To to see Christ in those uh, chapters has been one of the great privileges of of my life. But we close this sermon series. And as we close it, I want to ask you to just do two things. The first thing I want to ask you to do is to imagine the scene that you have got at the end of this this chunk of Scripture at, in, in Numbers 10. I ask you to do that a lot, right? I ask you in, in a sermon, I ask you to imagine and envisage a situation a lot. I am asking you seriously, do it. Imagine the situation that you've got at the end of this. Can you do it with me? Like wait, wait, the the, the foot of Mount Sinai. So we're at the, the, the wilderness of Sinai, the Middle East, and the sunshine, and it's, it's a wilderness. It's a, a desert, right? You get, you get the setting. Everyone can picture that, can you? Can you then add to that the just the sheer number of people that were there? I mean, just hundreds of thousands of people in that scene before you. Can you envisage it? Like this is a crowd, a vast crowd that nobody could number. But if you're envisaging this chaotic scene of people dotted about all over the place, you've got it wrong. Because I need you to envisage at this point the order of it before you. Like, do you see? It's all orderly because they are ready to go. So everyone's got their tent wrapped up and their kids sorted out. And there is this tight-knit formation. It's a procession. They're in a line, all of these people. You see it? You've got the tribe of Judah first. You've got all the Levites. You remember the Levites with all their responsibilities and all the stuff they've got to carry? They're ready. They're set. They're there. The tabernacle is in the middle. Everything's ready. They're all set and they are really excited. Can you imagine that anticipation? Like they're all there thinking at last, looking around their friends, we're going. After all of the exodus and all that we've endured in being set free from slavery, we're getting to go to the promised land. And then suddenly what happens? The trumpet sounds. And the people look at each other and realize it's time to go. And the people begin to march. Hundreds of thousands of people. Where are they going? They're setting out towards Canaan. They're going to the promised land. The trumpet sounds and they go. That's the first thing I want you to do. Imagine it. Envisage it. Second thing I want you to do. If you're a Christian in here, I want you to appreciate one day that's going to be you. One day, Christian friend, that is you. You know, don't you, our Lord Jesus Christ is set to return. Isn't he the one that we love, the one that we follow, the one who has lived righteously for you, the one who has died bearing your sin, the one who has risen victorious. One day he is coming back. And why? The tribe of Judah. is coming back down to lead this procession. He's coming to take you to the promised land of heaven above. And isn't it amazing to consider what we will experience on that day? Can I ask you, what are you going to see with your eyes on that day, Christian friend? You shall see Numbers chapter 9. You shall see the cloud of God descend on that day that the Son of Man will return on the clouds. But then's the kicker. Because Christian friend, on that day, what what noise and what sound will fill your ears? You know, don't you? On that day when the Lord Jesus Christ returns, it shall be the noise of the heavenly horn. The trumpet of God shall sound and that will be the noise. Signal your return to the promised land. What does Jesus say? He says he will send out his angels with a loud trumpet call and they will gather his elect in from the four winds. First Corinthians 15. Listen. The trumpet shall sound. The dead will be raised imperishable and we shall be changed on that day when Christ returns. We will hear that trumpet blast. So I end, I end this service series with a question for all of you. On that day when the trumpet sounds, will you be amongst the people of God marching ever forward to the promised land? You, not the person next to you, the person in front of you not your parents not your children but you can i tweak the question what if the trumpet sounds now as i speak to you here or as the benediction has sounded in a moment we know that christ is to return as a thief in the night what if that happens today What if it is that just now the sky split, Christ descends, the heavenly horn sound? If it happens right now, will the Lord Jesus Christ find you in faith? Or will he find you in unbelief to face condemnation? In Revelation chapter 1, John the Apostle, He turns round, we are told, to see the Son of Man. He turns round to see the Lord Jesus Christ standing amongst the candlestands. And Jesus speaks. And how does John describe his voice? The very voice of Jesus is described for us as a trumpet blast. I wonder sincerely, this very morning, could it be that you are hearing that note for the very first time in the preaching of Holy Scripture, are you perhaps even now for the first time hearing God Almighty call you to stand before Him in reconciliation? Are you hearing that noise? Is Christ calling to you? If so, I plead with you to heed that trumpet call. Come to the Lord Jesus Christ. And get ready to march with us. Because where are we going, friends? Christian friends, we are marching ever forward to Zion. Marching ever forward to the promised land of permanent, eternal intimacy with God. Friends, let's bow our heads and let's pray. Gracious God, how we do pray that that would be the reality for some at London City Presbyterian Church. Lord God, we know that perhaps there are people in the room who have sat under the preaching of the gospel for a long time now. And Lord God, we know that they've heard the truth of what Christ has done in living righteously in our place, dying for the punishment for the sins of His people, Rising victoriously. Lord God, we do pray that there would be movement in their hearts by the work of the Holy Spirit. We pray that today might be the time that they heed that trumpet call that you would effectually call them to yourself. We pray that there would be new life. But we thank you, Lord God, that you are with us for this journey onward. And we do rejoice that we can, as your people, live in light of the fact that Christ Jesus is coming back. And more than that, He's coming back for us. So we do pray in Jesus' name. Amen.